This morning's scripture is taken from the book of Luke. It is Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, and it is the story of Zacchaeus. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I completely agree. We should sing the Zacchaeus song, don't you think? Okay, so everybody remembers the Zacchaeus song from when you were a kid? Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You thought we had to do that. <laughs> We're in the Gospel of Luke, and in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus spends a lot of time heading towards Jerusalem. In fact, the, the, Luke keeps saying he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Most of the Gospel is a journey from up in the Galilee area to uh, Jerusalem, but, but it's more than that. It's not just a geographical journey. It's a, it's a metaphor journey. He's on his way to the cross, you understand. And he's stopping here at Jericho. Jericho is the last stop on the way. We talked about Jericho last week when we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. It sits about 17 or 18 miles east of Jerusalem, but actually about 3,325 feet lower in elevation. Okay, so it is way downhill. Okay, Jerusalem's up in the mountain. Uh, Jericho is right next to the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth. In fact, if you go to the Dead Sea, there's a bar there, and they claim to be the lowest bar on earth, and they physically are, and it was closed when I was there. It was kind of a bummer. Anyway, <laughs> Dead Sea is as low as you can go. The, Jerusalem is way up in the mountains. You, um, you need a coat a lot of times during uh, uh, several months of the year. So, but Jericho was where a lot of the priests would be, and it is the route that a lot of people would take from the north. They would come right down the Jordan River, from your perspective, right down the Jordan River to Jericho and the Dead Sea, and then they would cut up this road into Jerusalem. Now, as Jesus has been going, he's been teaching in Luke. He's been telling lots of parables. Uh, Luke is the one that captures most of the parables. Luke is very into parables. 
and he's done a lot of miracles. All kinds of broken people are coming to be with Jesus. In fact, this is a theme that comes up again and again. In chapter 5, people ask why he eats with sinners and tax collectors. In chapter 7, they call Jesus a glutton and a drunkard who is a friend to sinners and tax collectors. In chapter 15, Jesus tells these three great stories. You probably know them. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. The context of that is Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees and the religious elite do not like it. Jesus has been pretty hard on the Pharisees, and he's been pretty hard on the wealthy in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 6, he says, Woe to the rich! In the previous chapter, Jesus has a conversation with a rich young ruler who won't give up his possessions. Jesus also tells the story of a rich man and Lazarus. But the rich and the tax collectors are not always the bad guys. And uh, sometimes there are all kinds of people in Luke that are receiving him and his message. In chapter 13, there's a woman with a disabling spirit that receives healing. And is called blessed to be a daughter of Abraham. For Luke, it's not wealth that's the problem. I just want to be clear on this because I think the church has gotten this wrong in some ways. Okay, There's nothing wrong with having means. The problem is how you got the means and what you do with the means when you get them. If you get means at the expense of other people, I think the Bible has a lot to say about that. And what you do with your means are important. And I think Luke makes this case that, that the problem with having resources, and by the way, because you're American, you have resources. Okay, some of us have more resources than other resources, but if you go around the world, we have so much more than anybody else. The, the problem is when you have stuff, and Luke makes this clear, you have to become like a little child to follow Jesus. Okay, you have to humble yourself. And the problem is if you have stuff, it's very easy to be self-reliant. There's like an extra hurdle, you understand, for those who have means to come to Jesus and really follow Jesus. You have to become like a little child, and so Luke wants to make that clear. On top of all these concerns, Luke is a doctor and uh, has a special concern for healings and for uh, disabilities and for sort of medical concerns. He cares about infirmities and he pays attention to those sorts of stories. So on the way into Jericho, he marks the coming, the, the path with a blind man. And the blind man can't see Jesus because he's blind, but he hears all this crowd and all this commotion. He says, well, what, what is going on? And he finds out that Jesus is coming. And so he starts yelling to try to get Jesus' attention. The crowd rebukes him, but Jesus hears him, goes over, and heals this blind man. These stories in this part of the, the Gospel of Luke all provide the context for our story today, because many of the themes, many of the elements of the story of Zacchaeus come from other parts of the gospel. The name Zacchaeus means righteous or upright. In Hebrew, it's actually a shortened form of the word uh, Zechariah. Zacchaeus would be the short name. He is uh, a chief tax collector. Now, Jericho is a border town. Even in those days, Israel doesn't go past uh, Jericho. And today, if you go to Jericho, like you can see Jordan. You can see the nation of Jordan from there. It's always been a border town. The Dead Sea has all kinds of salt deposits and natural resources. And a lot of the times the people coming from the north to trade with Jerusalem would come through Jericho. And anybody coming from the east would have to do that same thing. So Jericho is this great border town. There's a lot of, a lot of goods coming through it. And Herod actually built a palace there. So it's a pretty wealthy town. 
So it would be a great place to be a tax collector. Here is how a tax collector works. Tax collectors actually bid on the job. Okay, so Romans would say, I need a tax collector in this area, and uh, who's going to give us the most return? Who's going to give us the most amount of money as the Romans? And they would take bids from various people, and the one who won that bid for a town like Jericho would be called the chief tax collector. So they would owe a certain amount of money to Rome, and they would have to tax everybody in the community more than that to make sure they made money. And in a town like Jericho, you couldn't have just one tax collector. So Zacchaeus would have to be the boss. He'd have to have underlings. He'd have to have lower tax collectors that go out and get, uh, go through anything that's coming into Jericho and going up to Jerusalem. So that you understand this, tax collectors could be cheap and they could be uh, fraudulent, right? But they could kind of charge whatever they wanted to charge. The, the uh, Romans didn't care as long as they got their money. And, and the big deal was that the tax collectors would make money supporting the occupying army. So it wasn't just that they would rip off their neighbors. They were colluders. You understand that? They were colluders. They were ones that made very good money supporting the army that was in charge of all their brothers and sisters. They were hated. They were not welcome at community events. They were not welcome in the temple. And that's why they're often listed with sinners, sinners and tax collectors. And we hear that word sinners and we think, well, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners, right? But in those days, sinners was a class of people. They were people who, because of some kind of infirmity or because of lifestyle choices, were never considered clean enough to go into the temple. Okay? They were never allowed because they were always, they had some kind of bleeding or uh, because of a job that they did. They were never allowed to go into the temple and make sacrifices before God. So it's not just that they're sinners, you understand. It's that they are perpetually sinners. They're always going to be sinners because they can never go to the temple and be right with God. And who is listed with the sinners? The tax collectors. Because we don't let colluders. You don't sell out God's people and then get to come to the temple and be right with God. You don't get to sell out God's people and rip us off. And, and a lot of times this seems to be why they would rip people off. They would get upset and frustrated that their neighbors would not accept them. So Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in the town of Jericho, which means he's got money, which means he is loaded. But it also means he is not welcome in that community very well. Okay? We, we said last week at the parable of the Good Samaritan, who were who a lot of the people that lived in Jericho? They were priests. There are people that would work in Jerusalem for their several-day shift and then come back. A lot of Levites, a lot of priests, a lot of people who would have nothing to do with a tax collector. But Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming to town, and he wants to see Jesus. And the text says this is an interesting way. He said the text, says, the text says, first of all, that the crowds won't let Zacchaeus see him. Okay. That, it, that, it, that in some ways the crowds are like boxing him out. He's not welcome in the crowds. But then it also says that he is of short stature. Or as we just sang it, he's a wee little man. Now the question is, how wee little is this man? Okay, how small is this guy? And we can't be quite sure. In those days, uh, people weren't as tall. So to be a wee little man, he, he's, he, there's no way he's above five foot. I mean, he's got to be lower, significantly lower than five feet tall. When we start getting that short, I mean, people can be that short. But we start to question whether there's actually some kind of dwarfism going on here. 
And uh, that might be interesting, particularly if Luke records it, because Luke is a doctor. He would have been interested in that kind of detail. And the language is interesting. Uh, I don't, not to get into too much Greek here, but the word for stature mean, can mean time, can mean span, or it can mean height. It definitely can mean height. But the, uh, the, the word normally means maturity. In fact, Luke uses this same word earlier in the gospel to talk about Jesus growing in wisdom and stature at the end of the birth, birth narratives. He's not saying Jesus got taller. He's saying Jesus matured. So Luke even uses it in a way that seems to say maturity grows. And, and so that word is paired with the word micros. You know the word micro, right? Okay. So what he's saying is this, is, this guy is of micro stature, micro maturity. That sounds like it actually could be something like dwarfism, something where somebody does not have matured features, looks more like a child. And it would also explain why he's so aggressive to want to be chief tax collector, right? If he's kind of an outcast in the community anyway, then he might be even more aggressive as a tax collector. Either way, he's small, the crowd is boxing him out, and he cannot see Jesus, but he wants to. And in that way, I think he's actually in Luke compared to that blind man. Remember the blind man on the way into Jerusalem? Can't see because he's blind, but wants to see Jesus. Here we have Zacchaeus who wants to see Jesus, but he's short. And so he climbs a sycamore tree. Now, when we say sycamore tree, we mean a certain kind of tree. In in the Middle East, when they say sycamore tree, it's kind of a fig tree. So it's a real big base with lots of low branches. Okay, there's not that many of them, actually. Um, I saw one in Jericho earlier this year. But most of the trees are in Jericho. There's not that many trees in Jericho. Most of them are like palm trees. Well, you can't really climb palm trees, particularly if you don't have a lot of reach, right? So, um, but, but a sycamore tree has these nice big branches. And anybody, any children can climb uh, a sycamore tree. But interestingly enough, in the previous chapter in Luke, um, in Luke 17... Uh, it talks about a sycamore tree, that it, it's so big that you can't uproot it. But if you have faith like a mustard seed, you could. And so it's a, it's a symbol in the Gospel of Luke of a tree that can't be uprooted. It can't be moved. It has to stay put. So Zacchaeus climbs this tree to see over the crowd. He probably does not expect Jesus to talk to him, let alone see little him in the tree. But Jesus stops looks up at the tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. Now, it's interesting. How does Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? You ever thought about that in the passage? How does he know his name? Is this a prophetic moment, or has he heard stories about, or are people warning him? Now, listen, as you come into Jericho, there's this little dude. You do not want to talk to him. He is a chief tax collector. You stay away from him. He's a colluder. Right? How does he know Zacchaeus' name. But he says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house. Even in those days, it was rude to invite yourself over to somebody's house. Okay? That has not changed. Uh, You don't invite, you can invite somebody over to your house, but you don't invite yourself over to their house. Um, But Zacchaeus, the text says, welcomes him joyfully. The crowd does not welcome this news joyfully. Okay? This crowd is not real excited that Jesus is going over to whose house? He's going to Zacchaeus' house? How dare you eat with him? To eat with someone is to accept someone. To share a table is to share a life. 
Okay? In those days, you ate at the same social level that you were, you were at. Okay? If you, if you tried to eat up, you, you, you weren't accepted. If you tried to eat down, you were uh, looked at poorly by the community. You ate at your own social level. But Jesus doesn't seem to care about that. He's eating with these people who are perpetual sinners, tax collectors, not able to go into the temple. In other words, they're not welcome at God's table. They're welcome at Jesus' table. Isn't that interesting? They're not allowed where the Jews say God is supposed to be, but they are welcome at Jesus' table. So they're grumbling. And Jesus hears their grumbling. And so does Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus gives this defense. And some old translations used to say, this is kind of interesting, some old translations used to say, I will give back. I will give away half my goods and I will pay back four times anyone I defrauded. Um, that um, four times is what the book of Exodus re- required when you defrauded. Okay, but the English Standard Version, I think, gets this right. It's not a future tense. This is not a uh, repentance and a change in Zacchaeus's life. What he says, if you pay attention, is I give. I give half my belongings away. Anyone I defrauded, I give fourfold back. As in, Zacchaeus is already doing it. It's not that he meets Jesus and then changes his ways. It's that there's this long process of transformation that's happening in Zacchaeus' life. Why do you think he wanted to see Jesus in the first place? There's already this hunger. There's already this change going on in his heart. There's already a, a different way of relating to other people. And so he runs, he climbs a tree, he's got to see this Jesus because God is doing something in his heart and something about Jesus makes him have to climb a tree and go hunt him down. Now the word for defrauded is actually very interesting. It's a slang term and it actually means, to, it's a, it means give figs. As if I give you figs, but they're not really figs. I defrauded, I faked you out. It's a slang term, Okay. What's interesting is that word frig, that word for fig is sycah. It's the same word sycamore because sycamore is a fig tree. Okay, so there's a little pun here going on. Okay, he climbs a sycamore tree and then when he says, I, if I have defrauded anyone, he said, if I have given figs to anyone. In Greek, this is the same root word. It's the same first word. Jesus responds maybe with a little smile because he gets the pun. Today, salvation has come to this house. Believe it or not, salvation is not a very popular word in the Gospels. It's not a word that gets used that often. It doesn't get that word used that much in the Gospel of Luke. And it doesn't just mean to save. Whenever you see salvation, what does salvation actually sound like? Like salve, right? Like it, it, we don't use salves very much anymore. Ointment, healing, right? It's not just about saving. It's about healing, wholeness. To be saved is to be salved. And Jesus says salvation, healing is coming to this house. And it's interesting that it comes to the whole house. We are so individualistic as Americans that we think salvation is just for us. But, but in the Bible, when somebody gets saved, their whole household gets saved. That it's actually not just individual, it is corporate. He is the son of Abraham, Jesus says does not just mean because he's a Jew. 
Jesus is reminding the crowd as he says this, that, he, that this man Zacchaeus is part of the covenant that God started with Abraham. Okay, he must, he, he's, yeah, he's been bad. He's been terrible to everybody, but he's still part of the covenant. He's still a son of Abraham. This would have been radical news. To, you, you betrayed God's people. How could you still be part of God's people? How could God still accept you if you have gone through all this, if you have defrauded, if you have taken away, if you have sold out your own people? But this is the whole mission of Jesus. The Son of Man, the human one, God become flesh, has come to what? To seek and to save the lost. This is another word that barely gets used in the Gospels, really. In the Gospel of Luke, it's used one other time about sheep and about coin and implied about a prodigal son. Okay? That Jesus comes to go after those who are lost. That is his mission. And in the Gospel of Luke, it is coming to a completion. Okay? This is the last story. There's going to be a quick parable, and then he's going to go into Jerusalem. By the end of this chapter, it's Palm Sunday. And he said, so Luke uses this story as this hinge right at the end of, right towards the end of Gospel of Luke to go from Jesus' teaching and healing ministry to now he's heading into Jerusalem. And the door, the swing, however you want to say that, the hinge of that gospel is Zacchaeus. Think about all the different things that I've said Luke was doing that Luke does specifically in this story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is like the rich man. Okay, remember the, the rich young ruler in the previous chapter who wouldn't give away his goods? Zacchaeus is giving away his goods. Um, like the blind man, Zacchaeus pursues Jesus and gets to see him. Zacchaeus is the lost man who is found. He is the sheep, the coin, the son of Luke 15. Unlike that sycamore tree that's not easily transplanted, he has been transplanted. His life is different because of his time with Jesus. He is a sinner and he is a tax collector, and he is welcomed by the Son of God. Are you willing to run and climb a tree because you desperately want to see Jesus? Are you willing to give up what you have to sacrifice? Has God been working on you for a long time to change your heart and show you your mistakes? Will you make old, right, old wrongs right and admit your faults? In what ways are you and I not willing to eat with sinners, those who we think are dirty or can't be close to God? Where have we been a crowd that blocks people from coming to Jesus instead of finding Zac the Zacchaeuses around us and bringing them to Jesus ourselves? Have you heard Jesus call you by name? Have you welcomed him joyfully into your home and your life? Has salvation come to your house? See, this wee little man, this wee little man became the hinge for the Gospel of Luke. And it became a children's song that you all remembered from when you were a kid. And it's my prayer that this wee little man would become an example for all of us of the way God can take us in our brokenness and in our smallness and in our sin when we were lost and do something different with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, let it be so.